episode of Bury the Lead. I'm one of your co-hosts, Winnipeg Free Press columnist Jens Ratty. And I'm your other co-host, Winnipeg Free Press multimedia producer Aaron Labar. And today on the show, we are going to be talking about Prime Minister Trudeau on the cover of Rolling Stone. We're also going to be talking about uh, millennials and the fact that they're using libraries a lot. And fake news is marketing. So, how was your week? My week was good, but um, very busy. Well, we were both very busy because we were reviewing Fringe plays all week, all weekend. We sure were. I think um, that's uh, it's something that actually impresses me every single year that we actually fulfill our goal, which is to have the Fringe pretty much reviewed by the first Sunday of the festival. That's a lot. It is a Hercule- Herculean? Her- Herculean? Herculean, yeah, feet, yeah, good try. <laughs> That's good. Thanks. <laughs> I'm a writer, not a talker. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it always impresses me that we get it done. And uh, yeah, I think I saw, I think I reviewed 15 shows. Yeah, I did total nine, um, which is actually less than I normally do. So I felt okay about it. But I know you were feeling a little, a little fringe fatigued by the end there. I was, but what was good is that this year I had a really good slate. So I okay. saw I saw more good than bad, which is always makes things infinitely more enjoyable. It's true. Um, so yeah, so some of the ones that I saw and loved that you have like eh, probably like one more day to see by this point because it's Friday. Um, Josephine was phenomenal. Like it was just a stunning show, mm-hmm. as I suspected it might be. Um, I fell down a rabbit hole a long time ago a Wikipedia rabbit hole about Josephine Baker. Okay. She's kind of the first African-American star, but also a World War II spy and also a civil rights activist and also adoptive mom of 12. So she had... 12? 12. So she had quite a life. No kidding. And um, so, yeah, obviously great source material to work with. Of course. But the show and the woman portraying her, it was just, it was stunning. So that was great. Hmm. Um, the Canada show, which I plugged last time, was fabulous. And uh, Thunderfoot was also amazing. So it was um, one of the most imaginative shows I've seen at the Fringe. And uh, it was kind of um, a guy telling the story of when he was a young boy trying to figure out what happened to his mom who disappeared and um, tells the story through and there's like a giant and other things going on and he uses a lot of mime and it was so like I just I felt like a little kid. I was like this is so wondrous like see mime kind of freaks me out a little bit so. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> so I, I saw, I had only gave five stars to one show. That was the Rap Guide to Consciousness. And it was literally a a rap guide to consciousness. It was, um, Baba Brinkman was the performer and he uh, talked about neuroscience basically and made these really clever, but also really informative and educational raps to sort of explain some of these concepts that have to do with consciousness and neuroscience and all that kind of stuff. So it was really, really interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and then I also reviewed Ed Sheeran as if my review brain was not <laughs> not done yet. It kind of, it, as somebody who, you know, was in my like college music discovery years in the 2000s, it kind of blew my mind that James Blunt was the opening act. Right. Okay. So... Um, he was amazing, actually. He was very entertaining. Because he always has this sort of reputation of being kind of a downer. His songs are all, as he calls them, miserable. 
So <laughs> at least you he's self-aware. He's very self-aware, which I find super endearing. So he's like, I know you're not here to see me. I know you're here to see this like ginger Muppet who's coming next. But he, you know, I guess because there's nothing to lose. He just kind of like goes balls to the wall and was like jumping on top of the piano and like which is the phrase i would use to describe james right. balls to the wall right but i found him patelica james blunt he was very entertaining and like really funny and like yeah his self-awareness i found very like charming so i actually really enjoyed his opening set good that's awesome and then ed sheeran came on and of course he was like good he played well and sang well but i, I just like two hours of one guy on stage i find gets for me because i'm not like a super fan i was i was a little bored it got a little got a little tedious <laughs> yeah i understand that i saw him open for taylor swift mm-hmm. when she was doing her it would have been her red tour because it was just when um investors group field opened oh right right and uh so he was in an opening slot which is was the perfect amount of time for him yeah like it was 45 minutes yeah. It was in, out. It was a good amount of time. Right. Because I also find, I think I wrote this in the review, that a lot of his songs kind of fall into two categories for me. So it was basically like hearing the same two songs over and over again. Again, as not a super fan who, you know, knows his catalog back to front. It just was, it was great. Like it was a really good show, but it just was a little one, one note for me. And you will definitely hear more uh, from us festival wise because... They keep coming. So <laughs> yeah. Fringe and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then Canada Summer Games also starts, starts. right away. Mm-hmm. And then Folklorama. Yes. Right away after that. And you've been working on Folklorama stuff. Yes. So I have a couple stories that I will uh, I will talk about closer too, but you can look for in the paper um, as well as a bunch of other festival stuff because it's uh, summer in the city. I'm sure, as most uh, people have seen by now, our uh, lovely Prime Minister is gracing the cover of Rolling Stone, I guess, this month. I think they're... Yes. So I think that issue hit stands on Friday. Yeah. And the profile and cover went up on (laughs) Wednesday. Too much mocking. Yes. Uh, We both read it. Oh, God. 6,500 words. It's not a short piece. Yeah. It's almost 700. Like, when I... 7,000? 7,000, I mean. When I word counted it, because I wrote about it um yeah it, it's it's hefty it's a hefty profile so what were your sort of initial thoughts when you were reading through it it felt very like okay there's i have many opinions <laughs> it felt very canada circa 2015 to me like it felt like this article would have been better time to come on the like in terms of tone the campaign trail because it was very much like okay. the sunny ways like look at this young new buck kind of thing and Mm -hmm. the profile was so fawning like Mm -hmm. I was expecting like a poster to be included with it to go in a locker like it was like well one of the comments was like am I reading tiger beat right now like honestly I also made a tiger beat joke in the piece that I wrote because honestly like that's what you would expect like and just all the ways that basically the thesis the headline on the cover was why can't he be our president and that was basically the thesis on which this entire profile was built right so a lot of illustrating the ways that he is not donald trump but <laughs> yes. they used a lot of superficial examples including mm-hmm. his hair is a color that exists in nature or something and his moose socks 
so brown he's brown brown hair, hair. Brown hair like, yes this is the selling point now like <laughs> he's a feminist like his children aren't suspected of colluding with russia like really it's just it's it's a lot and it's also it's been done we've had so much international press salivate over this man mm-hmm. that it would be nice for once to maybe have someone be like okay here are some flaws. Yes. <laughs> like here are There's some, some legitimate critiques. Yeah. Yes. Here is some criticism that, and, and not that the Rolling Stone profile didn't address some of that criticism, but it really yeah. brushed it off. It brushed it off. And it also, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like downplayed it. It downplayed it, but it also made almost like excuses for it. Totally. There so was a it's lot like of, yes. a lot of qualifiers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's the word I'm looking for, qualifiers. Um, so they would say, yes, he agreed to the pipeline, but here's the reasons why. And he's still, he's still progressive. He's still amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was very breathless. It was, it was, like, was. It was like practically panting. Like yes. it was, it was a lot, but it was, uh, I was reading um, a bunch of different things about it because I was writing about it and I read something in the cut about how it was kind of like the quote unquote horny profile treatment that mm-hmm. female celebrities often get uh-huh. um just with all the language that it used and just yeah it just it wasn't it was kind of seedy like it was yeah, kind of like, icky like, yeah it's like okay I, like simmer I, down i understand that he looks exactly like prince eric from the little mermaid but like we need to relax just a bit and i think canadians are tired of it i think canadians are like okay but we actually have legitimate issues right which were called some issues Canada, his country has some issues. We have many large issues. (laughs) So I just, I found it frustrating, I guess, because like, again, we've read this. Like, remember when he was elected? Yes, of course. It was like one. Holy Dinah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also feel like it's glorifying our country too much. I think it's the premise, right? So if you set up Trudeau as being opposite of Trump, then you're Mm -hmm. setting up Canada as being opposite to the United States. Which it's not. And that's not true, right? So I think when you have those kind of binaries and try to, they're false, right? So it's really hard when some inconvenient truths get in there and then they get brushed off, right? Like, oh, like they have some problems, but still that kind of, it doesn't, who does it serve? Who's what, like which readers is this for? Cause it doesn't really right. serve American readers. No, because it doesn't paint a very accurate picture of Canada, but it also doesn't serve Canadian readers who also read Rolling Stone because obviously we're inundated with Canadian <laughs> right. me- or American media. Right. right. So. But I also feel, and this is like a huge generalization, but I feel like Americans on the whole don't really want to know that much about what's going on in Canada because if they did, they would read it. They would research it. Right. Like it's that, it's that whole sort of concept of, America pushing all this information out, but not retaining information about like any other global <laughs> power. Totally. So I think it's just another example of that really to the, to the point where like they didn't catch such greed, like egregious errors as the Royal Canadian mountain police and the Liberty party. Like, well, they also think like, and I, and I get the sense that, and often when I'm traveling in the States, I know everything about America and they know nothing about Canada, you yeah. know, because it's just, cause just exactly it what you're saying yeah. of how these structures are built. So well, I was just at that wedding in the States and they're like, oh, you're from Canada. We love you even more now. Your country's so great. And I'm like, well, some parts of it are great. Yeah. But here's a list of all the things that aren't great. <laughs> like, and I mean, no one's trying to make the argument that Trudeau is the same as Trump. Like, you know, obviously they're different, but I think it's worth noting that, of 
course Trudeau's going to look a little bit shinier of when course. he's held up against Trump. Well, right? really, the so. only person who's not going to look shinier than Trump is Putin. So, like, really, there's there's very few people who are going to be below that bar. Let's let's move on to reading, reading, and, and not reading the Rolling Stone profile. Oh, you know, I should have I should have mentioned too that I was an internet Rolling Stone back in the day. Oh yeah, you totally were because yeah. I was kind of being like, Aaron, why didn't they fact check this article? As though that's your problem. <laughs> as if it was my fault. <laughs> yeah, but we I was an intern there. It was like my most interny internship that I had. There was a lot of transcribing and photocopying. Yeah, you transcribed and a lot of tapes. I transcribed a lot of. Ta- I mean, they were very interesting tapes because a lot of, of them were like the feature interviews and there was the time that I answered the phone when Tom Hanks called and that was my favorite story um I feel like you have to tell that story now okay don't leave us hanging okay so they were doing a cover feature for uh Tom Hanks I can't remember it would have been in 2012 I was gonna say what year did you work there 2012 I think I honestly can't remember what film I think it was actually for like a Broadway production he was doing I can't remember but I was I uh had just finished transcribing this hour-long interview and I at, there was one specific desk that had the phone for the managing editor and whoever sat there on whatever day would have to answer the phone and be like secretary right so the phone rings I pick it up and that's stressful I know and I hate talking on the phone so I was very stressed out so the phone rings I pick it up I say my line um it's such and such editor's office um and he goes hey is, is this guy in the office I was like no he's he's in a meeting can I take a message and he's like sure can you tell him Tom called it's like absolutely can oh I my God. can I get your last name and he's like it's Hanks and I was like what <laughs> like I was trying so hard to just like compose myself and not be a ridiculous human and I was like oh okay um does he have your number and he's like oh you know uh it's fine I'll give it to you anyway just in case and I was like oh my so then I went into the office and I was like, Tom Hanks just called for you. And he's like, oh, I'm, I had a really good time watching you answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. It was a great day. But see, I feel like if you were tasked with then writing about Tom Hanks, you wouldn't be like, oh, my God, his hair is brown. Like, <laughs> no, that's you know? true. So it's, it's a very weird office in that. And I won't spend too much time on this because I'm going to be rambling. But um, it's all men. <laughs> like there are very few female writers certainly not staff writers. I think in the six months I was there, I transcribed one female reporter's tape. That was it. So it's very um, male driven. I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing or whatever, but it's just kind of a weird office environment to be in. But uh, I learned a lot. I think it's also hard kind of going back and then we'll move on to the the reading, the reading thing. Um, But I think it is, I appreciate the fact that for people who are profiling celebrities, and I feel like Trudeau kind of got the celebrity profile. For sure. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was very sure. much structured like any other glossy mag profile. Yeah, yeah. Which I kind of have a problem with world leaders receiving that treatment because I think they need to be held to a higher account. I would a, hope so. Than an actor. I would hope so. Um, however, I think it is, I think it's, that's the challenge of being a celebrity profile writer is really trying to divorce yourself from being sort of the fawning Mm-hmm. fan right and kind of trying to take a uh, not necessarily objective stance but a little bit more of a distanced mm-hmm. stance so that you can report mm-hmm. you know so I, I'm always uh, I always admire people that are able to do that successfully because and there are a few people who are absolutely incredible profilers and they do exactly that Holly yeah. Malaya at uh, L. she's one of my yeah. favorite 
celebrity profilers because it's she includes a lot of her, like the interview and herself in it and kind yeah. of the stuff that I'm I, interested in reading. And I used to really like Chuck Klosterman's exactly. uh, celebrity profiles too. It's, but yeah. it doesn't have that same sort of like, yeah, that icky ickiness yeah. <laughs> over top of it. But yeah. But speaking of reading more and being informed, yeah, you found kind of a cool study I that did. surprised me. Yeah. So um, there was a survey done by Pew Research. This was in June. And it said millennials use public libraries more than other generations. Uh, more than Gen Xers or baby boomers. Uh, it says 53% of millennials defined as those between the ages of 18 and 35 um, told Pew that they had visited the public library in the prior 12 months. That compares with only 45% of Gen Xers, 43% of boomers, and 36% of what Pew has deemed the silent generation, which is 71 plus. Interesting. Yeah, and it says... I mean, other studies have, have already talked about the fact that millennials are avid readers, like they're book lovers, um, but they are kind of proposing that the increased use of public library is not just for the reading aspect, but there's other free resources that you can use there, like DVD rental or even internet if you don't want to pay for your internet or things like that. And they also specify that it's public libraries, not including university libraries. Right. So they wanted to eliminate like the study factor. Uh, which is great because obviously uh, public libraries have seen trouble as well in terms of, you know, getting, staying open. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I, I think that's cool. I love the library. I, I used to love the library <laughs> and I don't, I need to get a library card again. You don't have a library card? No. And I used to go to the library all the time. Like it was mm-hmm. such a ritual for me as a kid. Absolutely. And then, um, I think because I'm also a bit of a collector, I just, oh, you just buy, I them? buy a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of forgot about the library as bananas as that sounds, but it kind I of blows my mind that you can just it. like borrow books for free. It's amazing. So I, it's a good model. The library, so <laughs> I hope it sticks around. Um, when I was a kid too, I, and I still go to the same library. It's the Brock, Brock Corden, Brock Cordova one on Corden there. Um, I went as a kid, there's the 10 book max. I would check out 10 books and read them, you know, multiple times. And now that I'm in a book club, I was like, it's just getting too expensive to be buying a book a month. You know, like I don't want to drop 20 bucks when I can just go to the library, check it out for two weeks, read it and return it. So it's, uh, it's great. And I used to also go to the millennium library when I was in university because I liked the seats that are by the windows there on the Mm -hmm. stairs. And then I went again, not that long ago when I was doing research for a free press story and the, the books were in that, in the periodicals that you couldn't check out. So I'm like, I'm just going to sit in the library and read these books. And it was great. It was, uh, I just looked it up cause I was thinking of, uh, a specific news story and okay. that was the, uh, cuts that were proposed in Saskatchewan right. that were later walked back, uh, because people were like freaked out. My friend Holly is like my library guru. She knows everything uh, about about the public library all the services she constantly has books on hold she is like if anyone ever needs to know anything about the library you can talk to my friend holly <laughs> she will she will guide you to the best use that yeah i just find that so encouraging i do too Spe- specifically because it seems like this episode of Brave the lead is taking on a bit of a media literacy tone mm-hmm. which is the segue into our third topic um which is a arcade fire marketing ploy that I don't know, maybe I'm old and not cool, but it made me angry. <laughs> so um, Arcade Fire for their last album, Reflector, 
had a huge marketing blitz surrounding it. And they're mm-hmm. kind of doing the same thing for their forthcoming album, um, which is called Everything Now. And uh, last week, I believe it was, they had this billboard article that was claiming that Arcade Fire was trying to sue a bunch of bands for the quote unquote millennial whoop, which okay. is the whoa, oh, strong song structure that is in okay. literally every song. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Obviously, this that's a crazy claim that Arcade Fire would try to sue like Katy Perry and like <laughs> right. everybody else oh, yeah. who uses a whoa in a song, <laughs> which again is everybody. But the, I saw it being shared as though it were true, true. Mm-hmm. And their mocked up billboard page looked very real. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. I was actually very angered by it because in 2017 when you know fake news and unreliable which is also a term I don't like but unreliable sources of news are being shared indiscriminately because people Mm -hmm. you know aren't necessarily taking the time to be like okay let me put on my internet literacy hat and see like what does the url say and what do the ads look like and maybe I should google this fact and or maybe I should google the writer and see if it's a real person we just hit share and so to have that be twisted around into a marketing campaign for an album, I think in any other year I would find that clever. But now I'm just so tired of misinformation and f- like fakey fake websites. Yeah. Getting you're shared. not helping Arcade Fire. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> come on. Like, do we really need to do this for sales? And I mean, I can understand where they're coming from and that they would want to do something that's timely and relevant and kind of like cheeky. But I'm, I don't think what they wanted to happen and what is actually happening are the same thing. You know what I mean? Totally. Like the, the intended the intended sort of cheekiness of it is now kind of just making people angry. So, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I've never been a huge Arcade Fire fan. I'm not really familiar with what they have done in the past, but you said this is sort of normal for them to kind of do out of the box sort of marketing it's for kind their... of a new thing for them so i've been a fan of theirs since probably their first album i actually really didn't like them the very first time i saw them which was like before they released funeral and kind of got before they big. got big yeah <laughs> um and uh yeah i saw a really bad show in montreal when they were fairly new and i was like this is the worst and then i saw them play at the burton cummings theater in 2005 like, this is like, the best this is transcendent <laughs> so you know <laughs> but i think kind of starting with reflectors their album that they released in 2014 i believe that was when it sort of and it was a lot of like really interesting like meta commentary on how people consume music and how people buy music and then there was a lot of they got a lot of backlash because they used a lot of haitian imagery and symbols and okay. their stuff even though Regine Chassange is Haitian um so I feel like it's just sort of a continuation of yeah I can see how they that. would feel like it was very meta totally and I again I think in any other time I would be like all right cool but now I'm like no <laughs> so things we're sick of fawning profiles of Justin Trudeau yes fake news fake news <laughs> things we like libraries, libraries. <laughs> As always, our last segment is what we are reading, watching, and or listening to. Um, I am reading and watching Double Whammy. Look at you. So I finished a book for my book club finally. It's called Kafka on the Shore by Haruki Murakami. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Um, it's translated from Japanese. 
it sort of um, it follows two plot lines. One of this young boy who takes on the name Kafka. Uh, he leaves his home because there was some sort of like edipoidal sort of prophecy that his dad had. This, this podcast is really throwing some hard words at us today. Oedipal. Oedipal. <laughs> there you go. Oedipal. I'm trying really hard, guys. We're both very tired. Um, um, we so also his... are better writing. There's so many words that I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> that I use often. A side note, I specifically did not use the name of a song title when I was in an interview with somebody because I didn't know how to pronounce it. I didn't want to sound stupid. So Oedipal. Yeah. Oedipal. So there's an Oedipal prophecy that his father kind of lays down on him. And he's like, oh, my God, I need to avoid this but i also need to go find my mother and sister who does not do not live with them so he goes on this trip and then the other um storyline is this man and he has these like uncanny abilities uncanny ability to speak to cats and he's like going on this quest it's like there's it's just a lot and then of course the plots converge at one point and uh is it good would you recommend it i would that was a terrible explanation but re- Google it and read a proper plot <laughs> summary. And it was actually really good. I enjoyed it a lot. What are you watching? <laughs> well, I'm going to do my Bachelorette recap because we haven't touched on this for quite some time. We haven't. She's down to three guys. There's the skeezy chiropractor, um, the personal trainer, and Peter. Because <laughs> he has no other like descriptive features. That's how I always describe it to my boyfriend when I'm texting. And I was like, that Peter guy. Um, so skeezy chiropractor super super gross like her family was like this guy is not like he's too he says all the right things too quickly says that he's in love Mm, with her after the second date and all this stuff and her sister like grilled him and it was great um and then like the eric the personal trainers is sort of like whatever and then peter who i love he's my favorite despite having no (laughs) despite having no qualities Cause, because he was super honest with her and said, look, I'm not going to be ready to propose to you by the end of this. And she lost her shit. Like, she was crying. It was a to-be-continued episode, so I don't know what happened. But um, he was just being honest with her. And he's like, I only want to propose once. I only want to get married once. And, like, I won't be ready to do it in a week. So so I'm, I'm really sad because I know that she's going to pick the skeezy chiropractor. I just know it. But I'm rooting for you, Peter. I'm really rooting for you. Go, Peter. Are you reading, watching, listening to anything? So sometimes, as much as I like to seek out new things, which is kind of the purpose of this segment too, is to, you know, talk about what we're discovering and share it with you. Um, But sometimes I just get tired. And so I'm like, all I want to hear is... (laughs) Stuff I know. Metallica's Black Album and watch the show I've seen a million times. Um, That's the second Metallica reference of the show. I have them on the brain. Going Um, to the title. Going to the title. Uh, so I'm rewatching ER from the beginning, which I do every few years because it's my comfort blanket show. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give you a really relevant recap from t- 2005. What's going on in season 12? <laughs> Spoiler, of ER. alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so Abby is getting back with Luca, Dr. Kovach, who, who is love. especially hunky in this He's season. so hunky. Um, Neela, Dr. Rascotra has become less annoying and Tony Gates has just joined the show in the episode oh. that I'm on, which is uh, John Stamos as, yes. a, as a as a paramedic. So it's a good season, season 12. Like yeah. if you're going to watch a random season of VR. That's VR, a good one. Um, as always, you can find more relevant takes about stuff <laughs> uh, in the newspaper. <laughs> I can't get over how bad that plot summary was. Oh my god! I'm sorry, everybody. It's okay. You'll get them next time. <laughs> Oedipal. 
<laughs> um, you can find everything we're working on at winnipegfreepress.com or in the pages of the newspaper. You can also follow us on social media. I'm at Jen Zarati on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> and I'm at Nye Rebel, also on Instagram and Twitter. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>